Today, I want to begin by asking all of you a real question. How do you discern God's will for your life? If somebody were to ask you, can you teach me how do I know what is God's will for my life? Example, whom should I marry? What should be my career? My work? How will you answer that? Would you like to know how to know God's will for your life? This is our last series on work matters. It is so important that you want to know God's will for your work because you don't want to waste your life. Life is short, especially for the last two years, I have many friends, not exaggerating, who have passed away. And I realize at the end of your life, what is really most important? You are going to spend 80% of, of your waking hours working. But if you are not doing God's will for your life, it will surely go to waste. So this message is crucial. It is imperative. And I have good news for you. Do you know the good news? God wants you to know his will more than you would ever want to know his will. Is that good? Amen. Praise God. It's all over the Bible. That's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians, do not be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. So today, I'm going to expand on Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. Especially when it comes to how do you know God's will for your life, for your work. Are you ready? All right. Turn your Bibles. Romans chapter 12. I'd like you to develop a habit of bringing your Bible. The topic today is very simple. Everybody, know God's will, be consecrated. I'm going to share with you a guaranteed principle. In fact, the main idea to know God's will is be consecrated. What does it mean? Romans chapter 12. Turn to your Bible. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to expand verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 to help you understand. The good news, as I've said already, God wants you to know his will. So here is the main outline for today's message that you can have a mental picture of what I'm going to go through. Number one, know God's will, be consecrated. I'll explain. What does it mean to be consecrated? To be consecrated simply means, I'm going to explain. The word consecrate has the idea of you dedicate. You surrender your body. You consecrate, you dedicate your intellect to the Lord. And lastly, your gifts. So the acronym is BIG. B-I-G. Is that easy to remember? All right. What's the big idea? Be consecrated. How do you consecrate? Number one, consecrate your body. Number two, consecrate your intellect. I will tell you why that is important. And number three, consecrate your gifts, whatever God has gifted you with. So what does it mean, the word consecrate? What is the meaning of that word? All right, Romans chapter 12, let's begin with verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Look at the context of this verse. Therefore, every time you see the word therefore, what must you do? You better find out what are the previous verses. In Romans chapter 12, therefore follows 11 chapters. You know why that is important? Therefore, I urge you, it is a personal appeal. He could have commanded us, but this is in the power of a command. But 
as a brother, he's saying, brethren, speaking to believers, by the mercies of God. Chapter 1 to chapter 11 talks about the mercies of God. By the way, I have good news for you. We will explore the book of Romans soon, chapter by chapter. But right now, you must understand, chapter 1 to chapter 11 talks about the mercies of God. It talks about how we were once upon a time lost. We're sinners. Chapter 1 to chapter 11 tells us how God has forgiven us, how we are saved. You must understand the gospel. The gospel begins with our problem, sinners. It tells us how we are saved, salvation. But salvation is a big word. It does not stop with salvation. It tells us how we can be sanctified, how to live a holy life. And Romans, 11, Romans chapter 1 to 11 tells us God gives us the Holy Spirit to live an amazing holy life. And then it added something. Your future is guaranteed. You have an amazing, glorious future. And because of all of these things that God has done for us, He's now saying, therefore, I'm asking all of you now to what? What must you do? Present. In some other translation, it is called dedicate, consecrate. So I use the word consecrate. From the English word sacred, consecrate. In other words, you offer your body unto the Lord. Notice the emphasis. Present your bodies. Many times, we just think God cares about my spirit. God cares about my soul. Ah, I want you to know, if you want to know God's will for your life, the first thing you need to do is to consecrate your entire life, beginning with your bodies. Body. Now, what does it mean, consecrate? Notice the picture. It talks about as a living and holy sacrifice. Did you notice that? Notice. Living and holy sacrifice. Why? In the Old Testament, the sacrifice is dead. You kill the animal, you bring it to the altar, and then you offer it to the Lord. In the New Testament, God is saying the true worship that He wants is living and holy, set apart for God. What does it mean? Let me explain to you. The day you consecrate your entire life to God, what are you saying? You are saying, Lord, starting today, I surrender ownership of my body. I am no longer the one choosing what I want to do. I will do what you want me to do. Starting today, I will no longer decide what is best for me. I will choose what you choose, what is best for me. In other words, it is like a spiritual, emotional, mental suicide. You mean you give up everything? My friend, this is the amazing paradoxical truth of the Bible. When you surrender everything to God and you die to yourself, the Bible says that's when you truly live. If you keep clinging to your own life, to your own self-will, the Bible says you will never experience the fullness of life that God promised His people. I believe this is the biggest missing link in the lives of many believers. They are not taught properly. What are we taught? Most of us say, you come to Jesus, you believe in Him, you are saved. Finish, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. My friend, chapter 1 to chapter 11 talks about salvation. That is just the beginning. What must you do? Notice what it says. Which is living holy sacrifice acceptable to God. That is the word for God is pleased. God wants you to do that. Which is your spiritual service of worship. This is a combination of two Greek words. Spiritual service of worship. The first word is logic. It is the logical thing to do. What the Bible is saying is this. After knowing what God has done for you, the only logical thing you must do, the only right thing you must do is to dedicate, consecrate your entire life to Him. The next word here, spiritual service of 
worship, service of worship, this is the idea of offering something as an act of worship. So the logical thing when you come to Jesus is to give your body as a sacrifice, it becomes worship. So worship is not once a week on Sunday. Worship is daily. That's why your work matters because it is an act of worship. But notice, why will you do that? I remember the story of the pig and the chicken. You know, they were walking. And the pig and the chicken saw a sign. Let us help the poor. It's a sign from a church. And the chicken talked to the pig. You know what? Let's help. I will contribute egg and you contribute ham. The pig said, excuse me, you will contribute egg. That's contribution. You're asking me to contribute ham? That's total commitment, sacrifice. My friend, this is what God is saying. When you dedicate, when you commit everything, it's total commitment. But you will never do that unless you trust in God. And you will never trust God if you don't know Him. And that's why theology is important. Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 1 to chapter 11, tells us who God is, what He has done for us. Until you know who God is, what He has done for you, why will you dedicate your life why will you consecrate your life to him? You don't know him. You don't trust him. So friends, a true follower of Jesus will have personally encountered the mercies of God. I don't know about you. My wife, I asked permission from her to share her story of what does it mean to dedicate consecrate your life to Him. How do you know God's will for your life? Step number one, consecrate. You dedicate everything. Everybody say that with me. Consecrate. It's a total commitment, a total surrender. My wife was a flight attendant. She enjoys traveling. Do you think my wife is qualified to be a flight attendant? Of course. Just look at her beauty. Look at her brain. Okay. But then, God spoke to her. Remember, she consecrated her entire life. So God said, I want you to serve as a missionary to Campus Crusade for Christ. So God assigned her. She gave up that amazing work, flight attendant, to serve in San Jose. Now, if you know San Jose, it's near San Francisco. It's a wonderful place. Nice weather. Everything was nice. But then, notice, after consecrating, God will guide you step by step. The next step, God said, I want you to go to Asia. Step by step. You know what her mother told her? Are you going to Asia? Her mom said, what about your family? What about your marriage? Are you not going to get married? Singles, do you think of these things at times? You know what my wife said? Mom, that is God's problem. That's not my problem. I'm to follow him. And you know what? My wife had to leave the comfort, her comfort zone. And you may not know this. My wife had a boyfriend. So she has to leave her boyfriend. Because when she came to Asia, what did God do? Now, this is the amazing thing about when you want to know God's will, you consecrate everything. You have to trust God, that God knows what is best for your life. See, God does not reveal his will to you. Five years, ten years, this is what's going to happen to you. No, no. You walk day by day, moment by moment, as you consecrate your life. But have you consecrated your entire life? Saying, Lord, 
You own my life. I will do what you want me to do. Now, I did the same before I met my wife. I consecrated my life to the Lord. My great fear was I will be sent to Africa. You understand my fear? I'm honest with you. So I'm afraid to surrender my all to God. And then as I grew in knowledge of God's goodness, God's grace, I realized I will only be happy if I'm in the center of God's will. So I consecrated my life. And guess what happened? I was bringing my business friend to an evangelistic meeting. And guess who was there to perform the music, the singing? Who? Diana and company. And that's how we met. And when we met, maybe she has this laser eyes upon me. So that's my version. No, she has her own version. Make a long story short. What's my point? Consecration is the first step. God will guide you step by step. Do you know the idea of consecration has this important thing you need to understand. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, everybody read, I have been crucified with Christ, no longer I. You see, no longer I. But Christ lives in me. You die to yourself. I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I, but Christ who lives in me. My professor said, the problem today in the Christian community there's a lot of people serving God with uncrucified flesh. We want to serve God, but we have never understood what does it mean. I've been crucified with Christ, no longer I, but Christ. You see, a lot of Christian workers and a lot of Christians have not been discipled properly. It's full of themselves. It's full of ego. And that's why you see conflict. You see people getting hurt easily. They are ultra-sensitive. And then you have what? Dissension. You have factions. You have division. It's full of stuff. We have not learned. What does it mean to die to your ego, to die to yourself? Why? Because we have not understood God's heart. God is saying, I've done everything for you. I've died for you. What will you do? And my friend, the best answer is this. You, what do you do? Consecrate. Meaning, you learn to die to yourself. Next, what must you do? Well, not only consecrate yourself, I suggest you read now the next verse. Consecrate your intellect. Now, consecrate your body. Consecrate your intellect. What does it mean to consecrate your intellect? Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Let me explain to you. The grammar changes. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, when the Bible says, present your bodies, the verb there is an aorist tense, meaning it's a once-for-all decision. It's going to be the biggest decision of your life when you consecrate. It's a one-time act. It's like getting married. Once you get married, one time, I said yes to my wife, she said yes to me, but it has lasting effect. My wife and I have been married almost 49 years. It's a big decision that we did years ago. But it has lasting effect. However, after you make that decision of getting married, total commitment to each other, what do you do on a daily basis? This is where the grammar changes. This is now present tense. Do not be conformed. This is present imperative, meaning stop being conformed regularly, daily. 
What is the implication? The implication is they are already being conformed. You see, the problem with many Christians today, they don't realize they are already, we are already copying the values of the world without realizing it. So the grammar is very specific. Stop copying. Notice, stop copying. Every day, he's reminding you, stop copying. What does it mean, stop copying the world? You see, if you think of the word world in the Bible, the common denominator, if you look at 1 John, the, do not love the world, the things of this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, you may think, wow, it has to do with materialism, greed, sex, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Yes, but this tree has one common denominator. If you want to know, we are not to copy the values of this world. And that is the exaltation of self, ego. The world today is always promoting about themselves. I, man is the center. So stop copying the world simply means do not exalt yourself. Do not do things just because you like it. Because today, the problem of the world is we worship humanity. We worship ourselves. Just look at what's happening today. Even Christians, because we are influenced without realizing this. You come to church. What's in your mind? What can I get out of this meeting? What will the church do for me? You attend a small group. What benefit will I get out of this? It's all about I, me, myself. Seldom do we think of, how can I serve others? How can I be a blessing? You know why? That is the values of the world. And that's why this message is so crucial. Until you understand God's plan for your life is to consecrate your entire life to Him, but that consecration has to, follow, has to be followed up with consecrate your intellect. Why? What do I mean by intellect? Look at this verse. Do not be conformed to this world. It's a command. Be transformed. It's a command also. And surprisingly, both of these are in the passive voice. What do I mean by passive voice? You are being influenced without knowing it. Let me give you this amazing picture of watermelon. How many, how many of you like watermelon? What is the shape of watermelon? Oval. I'll show you the picture. Okay? Oval. Now, how many of you have seen square watermelon? I'll show you. Oh. Now, how do you make square watermelon? How? Simple. The Japanese are expert in this. You grow the watermelon in a plastic container. That's how you do it, you see? This is the plastic container. So the watermelon is being squeezed. My friend, you are being squeezed by the world to conform to its mold. How? Social media. The books you read. The movies you watch. Celebrities. The world is molding us to its image. And sadly, we don't even know it. And that's why you see Christianity today. You see the family lives. You see the way they conduct themselves. I am shocked to realize some Christians are copying cancel culture. They don't even want to talk to each other anymore. They think it's acceptable because everyone is doing it. Premarital sex. Everyone is doing it. You know why? Because that's the world. Friends, that is the challenge today. And God is saying, if you are a follower of Jesus and you really understand what he did for you on the cross, how he has forgiven us, how he has saved us, the only logical thing to do, out of gratitude, Christianity is our response to who God is. 
out of gratitude, you say, Lord, here I am. Look at verse 2. It talks about, let's look at verse 2 again. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, the active voice is renewing. You need to consecrate your intellect. Until the mind is changed, you will not really change. And you cannot change yourself. That's why it's passive voice. Be transformed. Many people have tried transforming themselves. You use willpower. I know some people, they are into pornography. They want to change. They are into addiction. They want to change. The secret is this. You allow God to change your life. You allow God's spirit. You allow God's word. And that's how we are changed. A passive voice. It is the one changing us is who? God. Have you surrendered your life so that you allow the power of God's spirit, the power of God's word to transform your life? That's the good news of Christianity. You consecrate, okay? You dedicate your life to him. Then you consecrate your mind. You know why? You need to change the way your mind thinks. And how do you do that? There's no shortcut. You need to study the word of God. I want you to look at Psalm chapter 1, if you don't mind. Let's, let, let's look at Psalm chapter 1. You have to consecrate your mind. The way you consecrate your mind, remember like computer. Are you familiar with the computer term, gigo? Garbage in, garbage out. Now, you've got to saturate your mind with the Word of God. Everybody, please read. How blessed. The word is how happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. It is saying, do not copy the values of the world. Don't. You are blessed if you don't copy that. But what must you do, everybody? But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Notice, you delight in the word of God. Now be honest with me. Do you delight in the word of God? You know, sometimes people ask me, Pastor, how do I know I'm a real Christian? How can you tell? How do I know a baby is healthy? A baby that's healthy has hunger. He hungers for food. A dead baby will not hunger for food. A sick baby will not hunger for food. A healthy baby will hunger for food. A healthy Christian will hunger for God's word. It's a byproduct of genuine salvation. Because God has touched your heart. So you like to study. Everybody, his delight. In other words, for him, you don't have to force him to study the Bible. He wants to study the Bible. The law of the Lord. And what does he do? He meditates. Notice. You meditate day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither. Notice the amazing promise. Everybody read. In whatever he does, he what? Friends, I'm not teaching prosperity theology. I'm teaching biblical theology. Biblical theology is you saturate your mind with the word of God and you follow him. And God gives you a promise. You want to prosper? Now, prosperity may not always be financial. But one thing is sure. You will prosper. This same idea is repeated in Joshua chapter 1. Let's look at Joshua chapter 1. Everybody read. Together again. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So that... You may be careful to do according to all that is written, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Notice, the Bible is telling us the Word of God 
shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. How often? You know, some of us, we read the Bible. Yeah, I read regularly. Once a week. When? On Sunday. My friend, how are you going to be transformed? Are you serious in your Christian life? Friends, there is no shortcut. You got to saturate yourself with the Word of God. If you are really serious, so that you live a life pleasing to God, my advice is to develop a habit. Delight in God's Word. Meditate on it day and night. For what purpose? Everybody? So that, louder, you may be careful to do according. Wow. So that you'll be careful to do. Many people love Bible study for the sake of knowledge. My goodness. Many Christians are full of Bible study. I remember one professor telling us, information, Bible knowledge without application will lead to spiritual constipation. Many of us keep on studying the Bible. Sunday message. Before you can apply it, you study another part of Bible, maybe on Wednesday night. Then you have another Bible study on Friday night. We keep studying, but there's no transformation. That's not what the Bible is saying. I would rather you study and apply than studying so many things, but you don't apply. That's why we ask people in CCF, you must apply the messages on Sunday, on top of whatever you are doing. Take time. Based on what we've studied, how do I apply this in my life? Well, today, if you want to consecrate your life, consecrate your body, dedicate everything to Him, number two, consecrate your what? Intellect. Remember big? What is B? Body. What is I? Intellect. And how do you consecrate your intellect? Saturate it with the Word of God. Let's look at the Word of God. Let's, let's look at Joshua chapter 1. For what purpose again? Joshua chapter 1 tells us, everybody read? Then. Everybody say, then you will make your way, oh, prosperous. And then you will have success. Again, I'm not preaching prosperity theology. I'm teaching what? Biblical theology. How many of you want to be successful in your world? Raise your hand. How many of you want to be a failure? Raise your hand. You know, my wife and I and my daughter, years ago, we were tempted, and I'm still working on it, writing a book. The book is How to Be Miserable. Would you buy that book, How to Be Miserable? Why did my daughter and I thought of writing that book? This was 20 years ago. Because we have seen many Christians miserable. And we have discovered the root problem of misery. It's all about self. People who are miserable is always thinking about themselves. How they are treated, how people have done them wrong. They, they're always thinking about themselves. They don't think of others. And my friend, someday, if I finish that book, would you like to buy that? I will change the title. Maybe right now, it's a work in progress. But you know what? You can only change if you understand God's word, God's truth. All right? So what's, how do you consecrate your life? Number one, your body. It's important. You dedicate it to the Lord. You are saying, Lord, you own my body. You own my life. Everything I have is yours. But you got to consecrate your intellect. If you don't think properly, my friend, you will not really change. The reason why I believe you got to consecrate your intellect is because of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. Let me read for you. This is a bonus verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 tells us, everybody read, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, 
divinely powerful. You know, the Bible tells us we are in a spiritual warfare. Today, there's a spiritual warfare ongoing today all over the world. People don't realize how the devil is distorting truth. And the Bible says our weapons, our warfare, is not the flesh. You know what it is? It has to do with your thought life. It has to do with your intellect. Notice it says, we are, take, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Everybody read, we are taking every thought captive. And that is the problem today. I was shocked when I was watching uh, a, a news. Somebody was asking the U.S. Supreme Court nominee, can you define who is a woman? Can you define who is a woman? And the Supreme Court nominee cannot even answer that. What's happening to the world? It's because our mind has been influenced by the world. We no longer understand what is truth, what is true, what is false. You know why? Because there are no more standards other than the Word of God. So you've got to saturate yourself with the Word of God. To saturate your mind with the Word of God, I've asked somebody to share with us his amazing testimony. Are you ready to hear a testimony? This man gave his testimony recently because he's in the States now. But he's sent by video. He's coming back, but right now I want you to hear his testimony. What does it mean to consecrate your body, your intellect to the Lord? Let's hear our friend. Hi, I'm Amir Lem. Since I grew up in the province, it is my dream for my children to study in the States and be able to speak and express themselves in English fluently and confidently. So the time when our eldest son will start his college and our youngest will start his high school, my wife and I decided to pursue sending our two sons to study in the U.S. I saw the counsel of my spiritual leaders, my D-group leader and my area pastor. God also orchestrated that I bumped into Pastor Peter and informed him of my plans of taking our children to pursue their studies in the States with the following arrangement. My wife will stay with my two sons in the States to take care of them while I will stay in the Philippines to manage the business and visit them every three to four months. After hearing that, Pastor Peter seriously looked at me and said, let us talk, list down the advantages and disadvantages of going to the States and see me at my office tomorrow, 1 p.m. I sensed right away that Pastor Peter's concern was that I will be separated from my wife and children. At that moment, I was reminded of the Bible teaching that Husband and wife should that be separated. After seeking our pastor counsel, I realized that disadvantages of going to the States that Pastor Peter pointed out, especially my separation from my wife, way far more than the advantages. In Romans 13.1 says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. We took the leap of faith and were submitted to the counsel of our pastor, who is the governing authority of our church. I realize his counsel is God-ordained and God's will. We immediately canceled our flight to the States and Ultimately, our plans to take our two sons to study there. We realized that if our plans were not according to God's design and will, we would not be blessed, no matter how honorable uh, my reason were. As a result, 
since we stay in the Philippines, I was offered another business franchise without me looking or asking for it. From branch one, our business grow into more branches. Most importantly, as the spiritual leader of a family, I was able to guide my children while they were growing up. We were spared from the possible troubles and heartaches caused by being separated from my wife and children. Because we obey, my family and I were able to continue to mature in our spiritual walk with God. Today, my wife, Janet, and I are already leading a Bible study group where we, as a team, together with our D-group members, continue to grow in the knowledge of His Word. Also, as a bonus, our family business continuously grow and expand. And by God's grace, we didn't lay up any employee in spite of severe effect of the two-year pandemic in our economy. There is more bonus. God grace our two sons graduated college in one of the prestigious schools in Metro Manila. Our eldest son met his God's best at CCF Makati. And now they are blessed with healthy two-year-old son. My youngest is now with our company running the business. All this to our Almighty God, be all the glory and praise. What do you notice about our brother? He was very sincere in wanting to know God's will. Because he has consecrated his life to the Lord, even though he already had plane tickets going to the States. If you want to know God's will, you have to really be honest and be open to God's guidance. But until you consecrate your life to Him and say, Lord, your will will be my will, you will always struggle. And that's why many, many Christians today, because they are not discipled properly, there is no joy. They don't experience the fullness of life because they are always struggling. And the reason why they are not able to surrender everything is because they don't trust in God's wisdom. And the reason why you don't trust in God's wisdom is because you don't really know Him. Do you realize the more I know the Lord, the more I realize how good God is? The more I realize, the more I know God, the more I realize how much He loved me, and the more I want to trust Him. It has come to a point in my life where I'm afraid to make decisions on my own. I'm afraid. I delight to do God's will. You know why? Because I know God is good and God is trustworthy. So, what does it mean to consecrate your intellect? Let's look at the Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 5. Let me read. Through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, notice now, what does it mean? to consecrate your thinking, your thought life, your intellect, not to think more highly of himself than to think, than he ought to think, but to think as to have sound judgment as God allotted to its a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and indeed individually members one of another. So that you will see the connection here. God is saying the Christian life, as you consecrate your life to Him, it is never meant to live for yourself. Because God has given each one of us an amazing opportunity, amazing gift to serve Him. Don't overestimate yourself. Don't think you are so important. That's pride. Because of what Christ has done for you. At the same time, don't underestimate Estimate yourself. Do not say, I'm a nobody. I cannot serve God. Uh -uh -uh. The comparison is the human body. 
The Bible says we are like the human body. We have different parts, and all of these parts are important. They help each other. In fact, this is expanded in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Notice what it says about the body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body. You and I are part of the body. Now, there are many members, but one body. In order for you to understand the role of Christians towards one another, what is our responsibility? Notice, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. God is saying, everybody is important. Can you turn to your neighbor? Tell your neighbor, you are important. Tell your neighbor, you have a role to play. Because God has placed you there. Well, what does it mean to consecrate your gift? Let's look at the Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 and 8. He continues, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. God is saying he has gifted each one of us. All of you have a spiritual gift. God has given us gifts, talents, unique talent, spiritual gift. What must you do? Each of us is to exercise accordingly. In short, look at me now. There is no Christian can, that would be just passive. Oh, I cannot do anything. I'll just come here on Sunday. I'll just listen. I cannot contribute anything. That is not true. You must have the right mindset, and you must consecrate whatever gifts you have. Do you know your gifts? Now, be honest with me, all right? I'm going to help you understand your gift. How many, of, how many of you know today what is your spiritual gift? Raise your hand. Not many, huh? How many of you would like to know what is your spiritual gift? Raise your hand. Well, this message is for you today. I'm going to show you how do you know your spiritual gift. Would you like to know? All right. Let's continue. He gives an example of spiritual gift. A prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. Prophecy in the Bible is not always telling about the future. It's declaring God's truth. Service. What is the gift of service? Helping. There are some people, that's, that's their passion. They want to help. He, he who teaches in his teaching, you, this is very evident. Exhort. Some people are good encouragers. They are very good in encouraging people in his exhortation. Give. Some of us, some of you are generous. That's your gift with liberality. He who leads. Some of you are gifted leaders. Praise God. Lead with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So these are examples of spiritual gifts. But this is not exhaustive. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about it. 1 Peter chapter 4 talks about it. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about it. So all of these gifts are just sample. So let me give you how this is played out. Okay? How do we help each other? Example. Somebody in your D group is sick in the hospital. The person with the gift of mercy, you know what that person will do? You must feel so bad. Let me stay with you. Let, let me help you. That's a gift of mercy. You know, if I'm sick, I like to be visited by somebody with a gift of mercy. What about leadership? You know, a man gifted with leadership or a woman? Is somebody taking care of your house? Who will bring your children to school? You see? That's a gift of leadership. He thinks differently. What about the gift of giving? Everybody likes to have a friend of this guy. You know why? The gift of giving, he's generous. Do you have enough money to pay for the hospital? <laughs> why don't you pay for that gift, okay? What about this one? Encourager. Don't worry, you will get well soon. We all want to be encouraged. Somebody once was telling us, I said, what's your gift? He said, Peter, my gift 
is the gift of criticism. I said, where do you see that in the Bible? See, this guy is so critical. He sees things and he criticizes. That is not a gift from God. Okay. My friend, gift of God is to help build up people. Some people don't use their gift. What about the gift of teaching? My goodness, when I'm sick, I don't want to be visited by this person. <laughs> and I see myself in this guy. What is God teaching you? Oh, suck it, no? All right. What about this one? I love this person. Service. I will help look after your wife and your kids. They want to serve. I know many of you are like that. You just want to serve. Prophecy. This is what I've been reminding you. If you don't rest, you will get sick. I don't want to be visited by this guy also. Okay. So, how do you know your gift? Simple. I have designed something for all of you. I call this, can you see this? Anybody, you can watch the video. All right. This is stair, the stair principle. Do you know what's the stair principle? If you want to know your spiritual gift, what is the stair principle, right? All of us have gifts. So, what is the first one? You all have spiritual gifts, amen? You have at least one, for sure. That's what the Bible says. God has given us gift. All of you have at least one gift. Next, what must you do with it? Well, the Bible tells us what must you do with it. Well, you also have talents, right? Gifts and talents are all from God. So what do you do with this gift and talents? I suggest. I'm not yet done. You all have aspirations. You know, what's aspirations from your heart? You are burdened. We all have different aspirations. You, you want to do something for God. That's an aspiration. It's your burden. And then, if you want to know your gift, you ask yourself, what can I do that will bring the greatest influence in expanding God's kingdom? You analyze that. What can I do? So when you align your gift, your talent, and your heart with God's agenda, praise God. Next. Uh, this is very important. Realities. What do we mean by realities? Because sometimes we do not know what are the problems we may face. For example, in the case of the Apostle Paul, he said, were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able also to become free, be free. There are realities in your life. What do I mean? When CCF started, I was also in charge of music. You're laughing. You don't believe me. Because I love music. I read notes. I can harmonize. I can conduct. But you know what the leadership told me? Pastor Peter, why don't you stick to preaching and teaching? Leave the music to us. You know, I realized they miss out on somebody who can contribute music. But you know what I'm trying to tell you? You get feedback from others. How is the influence of my ministry? I remember a, a leader of CCF. I spoke to him straight. I said, brother, you are a good leader. You are a gifted teacher. But I don't think you have the gift of preaching. You know, he was very honest with me. After a while, he came to me. He said, Peter, did you know I was really hurt when you said I don't have the gift of preaching? 
But you know today, because this guy uses his gift, he's a good trainer, he's a good teacher, he's a good leader. God expanded this ministry in and through CCF worldwide. Why? Because a consecrated person, when you consecrate your gift, it's no longer about you. It's God deciding where you can help the most. But reality is, you got to ask honest feedback. A lot of men think they have the gift of preaching. They all love to preach. They all love to teach. Nothing wrong. But please get feedback. And the best feedback you get from your family, from your children. If your wife tells you, honey, I think you should do something else. Don't feel bad, okay? And then get feedback from the leaders. The pastors in CCA, we discuss it with each other, different leaders. And we analyze what this person's gift is, what this person is not. I'm not saying you wait until you know God's gift and then you serve. No, don't do that. You serve in whatever capacity. Now, let me share with you something. It's never too late to align your gift with God's calling. What do I mean? I'm going to make this fast. When I talk about talent, you dedicate everything to the Lord. How many of you have heard of Scotty Scheffler? Scotty Scheffler won the Master Open 2022, a few months ago. And you know this guy? is a committed father of Jesus. He said, I play golf to give glory to God. So when you offer, when you dedicate your gifts, your talents, it is to glorify God. This is so crucial. If your identity is in our work, in your ministry, rather than Christ, success will go to our heads and failure will go to your hearts. So ministry is ministry. It does not define you. Just realize you consecrate your body, you consecrate your intellect, you consecrate your gift to the Lord. It's never too late. I want to let you know a reality of many of you know Moses. You know when Moses was, the first 40 years of Moses' life, he was a prince. He lived in the palace. He was well-educated. He was eloquent. That was Moses. First 40 years. What was his passion? To help the people get out of Egypt. But Moses failed miserably. He became a fugitive. For the next 40 years, what did Moses do? Moses became a shepherd. He lived in the desert. Can you imagine? From palace, now in the desert, in the wilderness, for 40 years. What in the world was Moses doing there? The only thing he can hear is, mm, here was a prince, he's now a nobody. What happened to Moses' life? What really transformed him? At the age of 80, Moses had a personal encounter with God. How many of you are now 80? Raise your hand. See, it's never too late. <laughs> you all have hope. At the age of 80, God encountered, God took the initiative. And God tells Moses, Moses, I have a mission for you. You see, in the mind of Moses, his vision of helping his people become free is dead. The death of a vision. No more. I, I'm gone. But God appeared to Moses after he was 80 years old. Why? Because God wanted Moses to learn what it means to depend upon him. That's why Moses was in the school of what? Solitude. When he was younger, he was in the best school. Now he's 80. And God says, Moses, let's go to work. You know what Moses did? He Kept giving God excuses, excuses, excuses. I cannot do it, Lord. Who, who am I? How can I go to Pharaoh? He just tried to kill me. God says, Moses, you consecrate your life to me. Do what I want you to do, not what you want to do. There's a long discussion. And finally, Moses surrendered. You know, when Moses surrendered, his last excuse was, God, I don't know how to speak. 
You know what God told Moses? Who made your mouth? Every excuse that Moses gave, God says, I will be with you. Lord, I do not know what to say. I will be with you. Lord, I don't know what to do. I'll be with you. And you can see Moses perform amazing miracles. It was not Moses. It was God working in and through Moses. And I believe many of you are like Moses. You are now in the wilderness. You don't know what God is doing in your life. Can I tell you something? Today, if you will consecrate your life to him, really surrender, you'll be amazed at what God can do in your life, through your life. Because God is the one that is looking for people like us. And as we close, my great hero today, modern hero, is none other than Dr. Bill Bright. Many people don't realize Dr. Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, was a businessman. He's a personal friend, and that's why I know this story. He was in the candy business. He was in the oil and gas business. Dr. Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. Can I tell you what happened to him? The day came when he really surrendered his life to the Lord. He said, I was a happy-go-lucky guy. I have money. I have success. But the day came when he made a contract with God. He said, I'm a businessman. I officially signed, surrendering everything to God. And he said, after surrendering everything to God, the next day, God gave him a vision. The vision of starting Campus Crusade for Christ. Do you know Bill Bright, his tombstone, you know what it says? This is what it says. The tombstone of Bill Bright, a slave of Jesus by choice. How is that played out? Let me share with you. Bill Bright knows God owns everything. Do you realize when the ministry was growing, a group of his staff came to his house demanding that he should resign. It must be very painful when your own staff tells you, you resign. They don't like his style. Businessman, perhaps he was dominant, perhaps he was very strong. So they wanted him to resign. You know what Bill Bright did? This is the story from his son who saw everything. Bill Bright did not get angry. He did not retaliate. You know what he told those men? Let's kneel down and ask what God wants us to do. Make a long story short, the board of Campus Crusade for Christ supported Dr. Bright. But this is what he said. This is amazing. He said, <clears throat> why did he not get angry? A slave does not have rights. A slave does not own what he pours his life blood into. A slave of Jesus is at peace, no matter what the circumstances, because he can completely trust his good and faithful master. And you know, years later, a reporter came to ask Bill Bright, a journalist, can you share with us your problem so that others can relate? Share with us, what problem have you encountered that others can relate to? You know what Dr. Bright said? I don't have problems. The guy would not believe him. So the guy kept asking different questions seven times to force him to admit your problem. Bill Bright said, I don't have problems. Do you know why he can honestly say, I don't have problems? Let me tell you why. This is what he said. I'm a slave of Jesus. It is not the responsibility of the slave to be successful. The only responsibility of the slave is to do what the master wants me to do. When you understand this, you will understand a slave does not have problems. A slave only has opportunities. 
to see the master work. My friend, are you a slave of Jesus? Have you consecrated your entire life to him? Honestly, my wife and I have similar experiences. Sure, there are many problems, but my wife and I sleep very well at night. You know why? Because we don't own the ministry. We're just servants. Everything we possess belongs to the Lord. So why do you carry the problem? You need to understand, if you want to know God's will for your life, consecrate your body, consecrate your intellect, and consecrate everything you have for the Lord. Perhaps some of you today are saying, that's the kind of life I want. Would you like to live a fullness of life? Well, my question is this. Have you consecrated your all? Let's bow our heads. If you want to consecrate your life, you have not consecrated your life to Jesus. You have not surrendered your life to Jesus completely, but you want to do it today. It's a big decision. It will forever change your life. It is a one-time decision. Have you ever done that? If you'd like to do it, I'd like you to stand up. I want to pray for you. Yes, stand up. If God wants you to consecrate your all, and you, between you and the Lord, you stand up. And I want you to pray with me. Now, don't stand up because others are standing up. This is a very momentous occasion. Because today, you are going to completely dedicate your life. If you have done so in the past, you don't have to stand up. But if you have never done this, and you want to do it, stand up. You know why? Because whatever you do, it will impact your entire future. I want to pray for you, and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, here I am. I realize you love me, you died for me, and today, Lord, I consecrate my all to you. My life, my family, my possessions, everything I have, Lord, I consecrate it to you. Use it for your glory. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, that I will do. Wherever you want me to go, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. But Lord, only you can guide me in this journey. I now walk with you day by day. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my master. To those of you who have not yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, why don't you pray this prayer with me also? You are not sure you are going to heaven or not. You are not even sure whether you are a Christian or not. Why don't you pray this prayer? Lord Jesus, today I invite you to be my Savior. I place my trust in you. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I commit to you my future. Give me the strength to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.